This is William. And this is Nathan. Welcome to the mind. What is up, guys? Tonight we are going to talk about wrestling. WCW, WWE, WWF. Just Ooh, wrestling. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I've been a fan of wrestling since I was a kid. As have I. Uh, I remember uh, one of my first big moments in wrestling was watching uh, Hulk Hogan beat the Iron Sheik. You know, to gain his first championship belt. Was that at WrestleMania? Uh, I don't. I don't even think they had a WrestleMania going on. That might that might know. be true. Yeah. Actually, now that I think yeah. about it, because WWF, owned by Vince's father, Vince Senior, uh, changed hands in 1979, which is right around the time that Hulk Hogan came to work for Vince uh, yeah. Vince Junior. Yeah, that was the start of uh, Hulkamania. Oh yeah, you know? and uh, and the start of it uh, running wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, uh, I might be showing my age here, but I remember the uh, Hulk Hogan cartoon. Oh, man. You know? I, I think I vaguely remember coming across stuff like that on YouTube, yeah. but I never watched yeah. it. Yeah. That was where yeah. animated Hulk Hogan would get together with his animated wrestling friends and have all sorts of uh, hijinks and yeah, shenanigans. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, uh, and, you know, that was part of the. Saturday morning cartoon, which they don't have anymore, you know. Not really, you know, no. But, I mean, but, I guess ABC you know, Family still does, but yeah, but you know, uh, it was it was a big deal to me, you know. Uh, wrestling, wrestling is fun. Yeah, you know? it's scripted, but still, it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it's yeah. almost more fun once you realize uh, there's a level of fun you have when you're a kid when you still think it's real, but then there's a whole new level of fun once you realize it's scripted. You gain a new appreciation and level of respect for. Um, how good these guys are and what they're able to do with all the acting and the stunt coordination that it takes. Cause they don't have multiple takes. They don't have multiple times to go through it. It's all in the moment. It's all live. It's all right in front of you. And they're doing all this stuff on the fly. Yeah. With, yeah. And if there's a mistake, there's no way to hide it. You can hide it a little bit from the television audience with the cameras, but you can't hide it from the live audience. Yeah. You know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, of course, you know, I don't know for sure you know, guaranteed, but I'm pretty sure they, they might rehearse together some, some, they do a lot more now back in the days of the attitude era in the nineties, everything was called in the ring by the wrestlers. Like when you see them go into the, into the corner and like one guy leans in closer or or they're down on the mat, it looks like one guy's talking to it. It's because they are, they're communicating back and forth. Um, And a lot of times the referee doesn't even know what the outcome of the match is. So that way his interaction in the match can seem that much more genial. You know, you know, uh, some people say that wrestling's fake. It's scripted, but it's scripted, not, but it's not fake. Yeah, it's Fall, not fake falling off know. a ladder through a table or yeah. getting lit on fire, getting hit with a chair. Those right. things still hurt. Right. You know, uh, no matter how big you are, it, it's still going to hurt yeah. you. You know. Uh, oh, by the way, I think we should say right off the, if you if you're still under the impression that wrestling is real, we're sorry for ruining it for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know. But by this point, I think everybody should be fully aware that wrestling is scripted, and if you don't, then you've been living under your own special kind of rock. Yeah, you're you're. Got your own special kind of needs, but yeah, you know. that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, <clears throat> I mean, I've I've been watching wrestling since you know WCW days uh, when when they would broadcast their their shows in high school gymnasiums. Oh, absolutely! You know, and can and, you can you think about it for a second that it's it's been even since WCW went out of business in two thousand one, it's been that long since that like, and you were watching the days of WCW. Like you've been watching wrestling for 30, 30 yeah, odd years yeah, at this point. That's a yeah. lot of uh, wrestling history yeah, under your belt. You know, uh, 
it's just it's just good fun entertainment. Most of the know? time, sometimes it's a little sketchy and gets into the sleazy trashy area. But yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, but that's uh, par for the course, I think. Yeah, you know, uh, sex sells no matter what it is, whether yeah. it's a hamburger, wrestling, whatever. You know, sex sells. You know, because I've recently seen some uh, not recently, but it's been a couple of years. But I've seen some uh, Hardee's commercials where you know these these smoking hot babes are just munching down on a hamburger. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, come on, man. Oh, you well, know, they're, I mean, they're smoking hot. Yeah. I, oh, that's know. all I know. It makes yeah. me want to go get a cheeseburger when I well, see a Hardy's commercial. I really wasn't thinking about cheeseburgers when I saw them, but, you know, anyway. Uh, but, you know, another thing, you know, uh, wrestling has done is, you know, with, with with the women in wrestling, you know, they, they put them in Playboy and they make a big deal, you know, like i seen a match one time where woman was in Playboy, they had a big banner come down of her, of her <clears throat> Playboy cover. And I just felt that was sort of inappropriate because, you know, wrestling attracts a certain age, yeah. you know, uh, and, and is that the kind of image you want, you want children to have, you know, like it's okay to be naked in a, in a magazine. Right. You know? Well, I mean, but, you know, I mean, they're children. Yeah. Well, know? I mean, keep in mind that there was a time, uh, I mentioned this before, there was a time when wrestling was very much the adult men of the household would go out for the evening to the wrestling. In the 40s and 50s and 60s, there were no kids in the audience. And there right. were no women in the right. audience unless right. they, it was like a boxing match and the right. men brought their dates and their really nice mink coats and things. Pretty much a sport that was watched by men. Um, and so they did things that appealed to the demographic. Yeah. Um, and in the 90s, during the Attitude Era with WWF and WCW going back and forth, obviously the demographic was changing a little bit. And it's changed again ever since uh, 2010, maybe 2015. WWE has done a really good job of widening their audience base. You know, they're adding a lot more uh, legitimate wrestling matches for the women and things like that. But there was a time when the only time the women were out, other than like Trish Stratus and Lita, who, you know, in my opinion, are two of the greatest uh, female wrestlers that have ever stepped into the ring. The matches they had between each other were uh, incredible. Um but for the most part, if the women were out there, you know, they were going to be out there in bikinis posing or yeah. they were going to be in like yeah. a bra and panties match. And those days are gone. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I also I remember watching, you know, wrestling when, when uh, uh, it was rare to see a ladies match on TV. Right. You know, Well, that was that's that's probably what in the 80s when you were watching yeah, Hulk Hogan yeah, and yeah, Macho Man and all yeah, those guys yeah. that the women weren't thought of as the wrestlers, you right, know, like right. and even in the early 2000s. Me and my buddies would joke when the women's matches would come on because they were such a poor quality at the time. It was a oh beer break, you know, oh it's time to go to the bathroom. And right. that's you know, you'd have if you look at the way a run sheet for a wrestling show is structured, you have like the high flying cruiserweights and a lot of the technical wrestling in the beginning to kind of like it's like the opening act to get everybody excited. Then you have like the big middle spot, and then right after the middle spot, you know, you usually had a mid card match like the Intercontinental title or the US title. Right after that was usually when they would bring out a movement match because that was usually around the halfway point of the show and everybody needed to go refill their soda right. or go to the bathroom right. or get a smoke break in right. or go get another beer. Um, but I think as they as the markets change and as the companies recognize the change, and I say the company because really when you're talking about wrestling in America, there's really only the one company at the top anymore. There's dozens of independent promotions, but WWE at this point is American wrestling. Um They've done a really good job of adapting to the changing marketplace of the time. And wrestling has always done that. Wrestling has always been at the forefront, um, almost dare I say it, like the porn industry, at the forefront of technology, the forefront of trends, the forefront yeah. of cultural 
identity and things like that, they've always tapped into that really well. And wrestling has always been partially uh, affected by and has partially affected pop culture. Yes. Yes, I agree. You know, uh, there are a lot more female fan, fan. If you look at the audiences and like the shows on TV and you look around the crowd, there's a lot more women at these wrestling shows now. And I think they picked up on that. And they've got a lot more um, legitimate female wrestlers that go out there and have legitimate uh, wrestling matches. You know, Charlotte Flair, Ric Flair's daughter, and you have Asuka. And, yeah, uh, that's a, another thing, I, I, I find it cool that, you know, generations of family are wrestling. Wrestling, you know, yeah. The, like uh, Dusty Rhodes' kid. Yeah, uh, Cody Rhodes. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Uh, he was Gold Dust for a while. Or you Stardust. Stardust. Right? But the other the other kid was Gold Dust. Yeah. Dustin Rhodes yeah, was, yeah. was Gold Dust. And then yeah. his younger brother Cody became Stardust, which I thought was a really cool gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but they killed that off pretty quickly. But then Cody Rhodes left uh, WWE a few years back and joined one of the smaller promotions called Ring of Honor. And now he's leaving Ring of Honor to go start his own uh, wrestling promotion with a handful of other people. I know Chris. my buddy just told me that uh, Chris Jericho just signed up with a number of other independent wrestlers that I've never heard of, but they're getting ready to, uh, I think they're trying to find TV, a TV spot for, to air their show week to week. So that's really cool. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say that Roman <clears throat> Reigns is, is. Yeah. So know. the Samoans, the Samoan family tree is populated. There's no family in wrestling that has meant more or contributed more out of its own bloodlines than the Samoan family. There's one family on the Island Samoa, I don't remember how many people are living there now. Something like three to 5,000 people live on the entire island. And they're all, uh, because if you look at Samoan history, all of the, there were a bunch of tribes down through history for several thousand years, but just over time, slowly, all of those families slowly married into each other. Uh, and they all became part of the same family. And that family that is currently the royal family that runs uh, the island of Samoa, they have contributed like the rock, uh, Roman Reigns, the Wild Samoans, mm-hmm. a guy named Umaga. Umaga, uh, I remember him. Yeah, the uh, yeah. the Uzos. They're yeah. all uh, they're all in the same family. Uh, Roman Reigns is, I think, he's the Rock's cousin, and the Uzos are the Rock's nephews. And oh, okay, he is descended from the High Chief Peter Maivia, and oh. um, they're they're all this one family. And like I said, like everybody has so much respect for those guys and for that family, because they've contributed more people out of their family to the wrestling industry than practically any other wrestling family. That's, that's interesting. Very interesting, you know, and you know, with wrestling, you know, I, I, not just wrestling, but you know, boxing and UFC, all this, all the violent sports like that. I mean, I almost want to say it's, it's human nature for us to be drawn to, to, to violence like that. Right. You know, and I mean, because it goes way back to the Roman times. I yeah. mean, you know, gladiator times. Yeah, know, absolutely. And it's just almost our human nature to, to be drawn to that. And, and pro wrestling know. has always been tied very, very closely to uh, to American culture. Yeah. Um, there's a really interesting TED Talks that's on the Internet right now. If you have the chance, you should go online and look it up. Uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you know, he was the longtime uh on screen, you know, basically vice president of operations for WCW Nitro before mm-hmm. finally making his way over to uh, WWE Raw and becoming the general manager. And he's been very heavily involved uh, with the wrestling industry from the uh, late 80s onward until he left Raw in 2006. And he had a hand in helping uh, fund TNA for a while and other things like that. But he had a TED Talks where he talks about um, that 
American culture and American wrestling have always been very, very, very closely tied together. Uh, back in the day, before he became a lawyer, Abraham Lincoln spent a brief period of his life, about five years or so, as a professional wrestler. Oh, wow. Wrestling in the Midwest wow. as a legit professional wrestler, which means that pro wrestling at the time was a legit industry even back then uh, for him to have been able to be a part of it. And uh, Donald Trump, the president right now, one of the people that is on his cabinet is Linda McMahon, who is the wife of Vince McMahon. I didn't realize Linda who, McMahon was Linda McMahon because she is she's a Republican senator from New York. Oh wow! And she is on the cabinet of Donald Trump. Wow. And Hell, Donald Donald Trump even was Donald Trump appeared a number of times. He's he's in the WWE Hall of Fame as a wrestling person. Now, and I don't bring up Donald Trump for the political factor because I know he's a very polarizing figure. But that's that's not why I bring him up. I just I'm just illustrating a point that even somebody who's now our president has appeared a number of times on WWE program. Now, I don't mean that Donald Trump ever laced up a pair of boots and put on a pair of tights and got right, into the right, wrestling and yeah. wrestled anybody, but he is in their Hall of Fame for having made several appearances as basically an on-screen version of himself playing a character on a major wrestling program. Yes, yes. And I think that's, that's fascinating. That goes to show just how deep um, wrestling goes because the very first primetime cable show that ever aired on any major television network was a wrestling program on Saturday nights. I believe it was the American Wrestling Super Show, which Vince McMahon had a hand in creating. Uh, goes all the way back to like 1963 or something. That was the first major uh, primetime aired show on a cable network back when cable was first starting to become a thing. And there's been so many, like Nitro was the number one rated program not just number one rated wrestling program during its heyday. Yeah, yeah it was the number one rated cable network show for a monday night of any category on television for a while yeah. so yeah wrestling just has captured our it's our in our blood team. yeah like monster truck shows or uh bull riding yeah you know yeah it's definitely in india at least in, in america it's definitely in our blood yeah you know some things we just can't live without right you know uh you know some of my favorite wrestlers you know are, are like the Road Warriors. Great, know, great uh, tag team. Uh, um, you know, Dusty Rhodes. Yep. Uh, uh, Number one son of a plumber. Yeah. You know, um, hell, even uh, I think King Kong Bundy held, mm -hmm. a, held a record. Yeah. The quickest pin was like nine seconds or something. Something like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. King Kong Bundy, yeah. great wrestler. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, there, was a, there was a local wrestler in Indianapolis here, uh, I can't remember his name for the life of me. Uh, Is it the really famous one that everybody mentions? Uh, yeah. Dick the Bruiser? Dick the Bruiser. Yeah, Dick the Bruiser, yeah. wasn't he from uh, Terre Haute? Yeah. And he wrestled in Indianapolis yeah. for a while. Yeah. You know, he was he was big. He was big a big name. name. And it, it's funny about that. My grandma, who is 97 years old and does not care for wrestling in the slightest, even she knows who Dick the Bruiser is. Because when I was a very young child, and I told my grandma in an offhand conversation, hey, grandma, I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. She's like, oh, yeah, like those guys like Dick the Bruiser. So that's how far the popularity and knowledge of this uh, goes sometimes. That even people who know nothing about the wrestling industry are familiar with these household names. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I, I've seen wrestling evolve so much. You know, uh, 
I remember a time when there really wasn't such a big grand entrance for wrestlers. Yeah. You know, they would just walk down the aisle. And, well, in the days of Hulk Hogan, I don't think that they had no. uh, the video entrance packages no. or they had, they didn't have any of the pyro or anything no, like that, as far as I like know. That. No theme song. Yeah. Nothing like, it's like every, now it's like everybody, every wrestler has a theme song. Every yeah. Every wrestler has a certain, certain way they enter into right. the ring. Right, a certain ring know. outfit. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it's, it's just amazing how, how wrestling has evolved. You know, it's like the NFL, how, yeah. how, how it's evolved, you know, and, you know, of course, uh, uh, NBA too, how it's evolved. Yeah. You know? Well, I think once something becomes firmly entrenched enough in the minds of people, it goes from being, you know, the idea becomes the institution and yeah. Amer- wrestling has become an American institution. If you're watching or if you're listening to this and you're not a fan of wrestling, I understand but if you're hoping that eventually it'll go away and you don't have to hear about it from any of it anymore, that's not going to happen. Yeah, wrestling yeah. wrestling has been here and it's here to stay and it's been here for stay for many years and it's not going anywhere. No, no. no uh, it's at this point it's like the Simpsons or Family Guy or or Star Wars or Star Trek for that matter. Yeah. These things are just a part of our culture now. Yeah, they're just going to be here. Love them or hate them. Yeah, you know it's going to be a part of America at least. You know. Well, not just America, Japan and Mexico, respectively, also yeah. have long-standing yeah. traditions of professional wrestling. Yeah. You know, Mexico has its uh, the luchadors, and that's a tradition that goes back, uh, by my knowledge, several decades, maybe even as much as a hundred years. They've been doing the mask wrestling uh, for a very, very long time in Mexico. Yeah. Mexico and uh, Japan also has its own tradition of like the mask wrestlers, and a lot of them, you know, wear outfits that are reminiscent of like samurais and things like that and ninjas and every it's all a lot more uh you see a lot more martial arts type theme gimmicks coming up in japanese wrestling but they've had a love affair with professional wrestling probably if i had to guess going back to uh the 40s and the 50s you know when we were at war with japan and then when we had the internment camps here in the united states and american servicemen were stationed overseas in japan after world war ii and all of that kind of cultural crossover, um, I imagine that if I I don't know I have to do my research, uh, but I imagine that professional wrestling in Japan has probably been around at least that long for at least the past fifty years. Yeah, uh, of course you know it's always had sumo wrestling, but that's not the that's same its that's thing, its yeah. own that's Energy, a thing that yeah. goes back to the days of the samurai. Yeah, though. yeah, you know, um, but you know, wrestlers. They have this bigger than life image and some wrestlers, I mean, when they would walk in a room or walk in the ring, you just felt the energy. Oh yeah. You know, like uh uh like the ultimate warrior. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, he'd come out banging. Just, not a terror you know, not a not a great wrestler. No, no. Uh couldn't couldn't do hardly any moves in the ring, but he connected with the audience because whenever his music hit and he ran down the ring and you know pulled the ring ropes and the pyro would go off it would just light people on fire. Yeah. Just make people go nuts because he had that, he brought that energy. Yeah. And you know, wrestlers like Sting too, you know, he had that energy. Lex Luger, you know, I always thought he had, had good energy. Well, he he had a great look, but Lex was not a great wrestler. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But you know, uh, just the, uh, the excitement they brought when they walked into the ring. Yeah. You know, it was, it was always fun, you know, like the undertaker. Anytime he, he comes into the ring, it's exciting. I've, I've had the opportunity to be in an arena uh, several times at this point when the Undertaker's entrance hits, and it is—it's uh, very cool. Yeah, it's like when when their music hits, the crowd just goes crazy. Oh, yeah. they know instantly who it is. Who Instant, it is? Yeah, 
And that's no. that's why they started going to uh, wrestling themes, you know, because it was instant name recognition and it really drove the point home to the audience who's coming out next and whether or not they should get excited because he's a face or whether or not they should get ready to boo because he was heel. Right, right. You know, and plus, you know, uh, uh, I've heard of bands wanting wrestlers to use their music. Yeah. You know, just so they could get that more audience. Yeah. You know, and, and that's exciting. It's just exciting stuff. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, some of the, I remember when, when Hulk Hogan wrestled Andre the Giant. And, and he, Was that WrestleMania three that you're talking uh, about? Isn't the, it might the have Pontiac been, Silverdome? Yeah, when, yeah, when he when he benched Chris. Yeah, he he lifted Andre the Giant yeah, up and power yeah, slammed him, yeah. and everybody went dead silent because yeah. nobody thought it was even possible. Right, right. Andre the Giant was over 550 pounds at that point in his right, career. Right, right. You know, it was, a, it was a big deal back then. You know, and uh, you know, um, of course, anytime. Uh, you know, like Kane come, comes in, yeah. you know, when he was wearing the mask. Yeah. Once he took the mask off, I just feel that, you know, he, the excitement kind of got Oh, absolutely. Out, when, he, when he had the mask on and he, he didn't talk at all and he just went out there and he, like, beat the shit out of people, he was legitimately, even though this is a character on a scripted television show and you know that watching, just seeing the presence that he had, this is a legitimately scary moment when he came out yeah. and he chokeslammed somebody. When, when they introduced him at uh, Bad Blood, uh, 98, and uh, he ripped the door off the Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. Yeah. yeah. The, the the moments that he had where you bring his hands up and throw him down, and the four corners of the ring posts explode, and the, the pyro goes off. Yeah. It's just really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, one guy that always amazed me for putting his body out there was uh, Mankind. Yeah. You know, uh, what, what, uh, Mick Foley, Mick Foley, he, uh, Mick Foley's the wrestler you know, and the mankind uh, was one of the characters. You know, if I played. remember correctly, I read somewhere or saw it somewhere that, uh, that was why he quit wrestling, uh, was because, you know, his body just couldn't take it no more. Oh, I would know? imagine Mick Foley's always had a, uh, you know, most wrestlers, when they take a chair shot, especially to the head, will kind of throw their hand up so that the chair smacks their hand. For one thing that makes a louder noise, it makes it sound more impressive, but two, it protects their head by having the chair hit their hand first. Mick Foley's always had a sense of pride about never blocking any chair shot to the head he's ever taken. Yeah, you know, I've, I've seen him in, like, cage matches where he'll jump from the top of the cage yeah. down. Well, he didn't know. jump. If you're talking about Hell in a Cell with The Undertaker, he didn't jump. He was thrown. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. The Undertaker right. Yeah. Uh, very famously, like, you can tell when that happened undertaker looked and was like holy shit did i just kill that guy right, because right. Yeah. he was supposed to throw it they had an x marked outside the ring where he was supposed to throw him to to get this spot achieved and he was supposed to throw him through the announce table which the announce table is designed to collapse so Every it would have <laughs> it would have taken the brunt of the fall and it would have distributed some of the kinetic energy of his body falling he missed oh and he threw him next to the table and he bounced off the concrete and slid underneath the steel barricade and that's when, you know, The Undertaker's like, oh, my God, I think I just killed McFoley. Oh, shit. And so uh, during that match, uh, if you're a longtime fan, we've all seen these images. But for those who uh, who are maybe a little less familiar, um, the match itself wasn't actually that great. I mean, they beat the shit out of each other inside and outside the ring and inside and outside the cage. But they get up top and, and uh, Undertaker throws Mankind off and he misses that spot. And then the uh, the paramedics come out, and they're getting uh, 
Mick Foley onto the stretcher, and they're trying to wheel him out. And all of a sudden, Mick Foley starts punching all the paramedics oh. to get them off of him. And at this point, the Undertaker is climbing down the other side of the cage, and they're bringing the cage, you know, out of the way. And he's come, he's thinking that the match is over. And Mick Foley comes back towards the ring, gunning for the Undertaker. And you see this look on the Undertaker's face, like, "Okay, I guess we're gonna keep going." And they keep fighting. They make their way back up to the top of the cage again, and uh, Undertaker goes to choke slam Mick Foley onto the top of the cage. Well, because of how much weight was on the top of the cage to begin with one of the panels in the top of the cage was weakened. So the connecting rods that held that portion of the fence to the, to the pole bust out and McFoley falls through the cage onto a steel chair. Oh shit. And so the medic, the paramedics come out again and McFoley fights them off again and goes back to the ring a third time. And they fight for another five to 10 minutes. And then finally Mick Foley gets out his giant bag of thumbtacks, you know, and he said famously, you know, we have 6,000 thumbtacks that can fit into that bag and poured them into a giant pile in the corner of the ring and the Undertaker choke slams him onto the pile of thumbtacks and then at that point the match was over. But there's one point in the match where Mick Foley looks at the camera and you can see something hanging out of his nose and everybody thought it was a booger. What happened when he fell off the cage was he bit his jaw, like he snapped his jaw shut and it drove one of his teeth up oh. through the top of his mouth. See, yeah, that's... And it drove one of his teeth up through the top of his mouth, and he, he found it with his tongue, and he pushed it out his nose. And you can see him doing it with a smile on his face. And that's just... That right there, that's just a iconic... That's just Mick Foley in a nutshell, right there. That shot of him pushing his yeah. own tooth out of his nose. That's him as a human being. Like, there you yeah. go. Mick Foley, everyone. Yeah, you know, he uh, he's one of the few wrestlers that, that put their body... Like, as in extreme position as possibly. And they all did, but Mick Foley uh, yeah. has an entire history, an entire career. Back before he was big in WWF, he had a history of going over to Japan and wrestling in what they called explosion matches. And if you've never seen an explosion match, it really is uh, it's an exercise in sadism and human cruelty because they replace all the ring ropes with barbed wire. Oh, shit. And they put pads of C4 that you know not very much like a gram or a half an ounce or something not enough to uh kill a person but you know they put them on these pressure sensitive pads and when the guys get thrown into the ring ropes as you see sometimes they hit against that pressure pad and it sends out it sends, sets off the explosion and so your body's literally being thrown against exploding plastic explosive wow. and all the ring ropes are barbed wire and yeah that's over in japan though they, yeah they don't we don't do that kind of yeah. stuff over here yeah uh, wrestling is uh, is definitely fun entertainment, you know, uh, as violent as it is, yeah. it's still uh, still fun. It's a lot of fun, you know. Uh, one guy that always cracked me up, you know, was uh, we was talking about it earlier, Ric Flair. Oh, I you love Ric Flair. Uh, He's top one of the best wrestlers of all time, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, you know, uh, that little uh, that little move where he gets hit and takes three. Four it steps takes a couple fall, steps yeah. and then falls yeah. dead like he got knocked yeah. out. Yeah. You know, uh, he's, he's, he's fun to watch. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, you know, Shawn Michaels was always fun. Another uh, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a guy that has surprised me by his career choices is, uh, Chris Jericho. You know? Why is that? Well, because, you know, of course he started in wrestling and now he is in a successful metal band. 
Well, he's he's actually had that metal band going all the way back to his days at WCW. They've been touring and playing together for close to 20 years at this point. Okay, okay. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no. it's not something new that he's got going right. on. He's been a part of it. His band's called Fozzy, and they're pretty good. Because, um, right, you know, I, I go online and read this uh, website called Blabbermouth, and, uh, you know, they run stories on him all the time. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it just... It, it's cool that he does it, you know, yeah. and that, that he's a musician too. And he's a genuine musician. Like he's yeah. a genuine wrestler. Yeah, this is, it's not a band that he has that's just kind of a stunt to get publicity for his wrestling career. Right. It's his own, it, they are their own entity that exists independent of his wrestling career, almost as if, if he had never become a pro wrestler, he would still be doing the, the rock band right, thing, you right, know, and it would know. be legitimate. They have tours all I think they're finishing up a tour right now. It may be, uh, my buddy told me it might be their last tour because they've been, wow. they've been touring together for yeah. a while and now they all have kids and they're all married right. and they all have lives right. and I think they all want to settle down. But, uh, yeah, Chris Jericho had a wildly successful career. Of his yeah. Own. You know, uh, you know, of course, wrestlers have gone on to be actors too. You yeah. Know, you know, uh, the, uh, Hulk Hogan had a, I guess we'll call it an acting career back in the if 80s. If you want to call it. If you want to call yeah, it an acting yeah. career. He was in <laughs> He was in uh, the first act. Such, such gems as well, Suburban Commando. And he was also in, uh, I believe it was Rocky II. Was it, was it Rocky II or was it Rocky? It was the one where Mr. T uh, yeah, was the uh, villain. Was, I think that was Rocky III. Rocky III, that's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, uh, was it Rocky III? Lover Lips or Lover Lane or something. Thunder like Lips or yeah, something, like, Lip, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. That was. That yep, was, he sure was. You know, that was uh, that was fun to see, you know, because that was unexpected, but it was still fun. You yeah, because that was when Hulkamania and was just starting to, to grab a hold of yeah know, of, of people. Well, know? he he, I've I read Hulk Hogan's book, and he has a story where a reporter he was hanging out with, and they were just kind of hanging out for the day, and they were doing a, a story on Hulk Hogan, and uh, Hulk Hogan said, "I have to walk around in a disguise, especially back in the eighties. I had to walk around in disguise, yeah. otherwise people would swarm me." And the reporter was like. There's no way that you're that instantly recognizable. And Hulk Hogan says, all right, why don't you come with me to this coffee shop or whatever? And uh, he takes off a disguise in the middle of the street. And he said within 30 seconds, there were like 500 well, people yeah. around him. You yeah, know? I mean, and the reporter on, was just like he's on, slack-jawed. Yeah, because, you know, he was on every TV screen. Wasn't he on the Wheaties box at one point that they have him on? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, you know. Well, he had his own you know? cartoon. He was. Yeah. I had a pair of underwear when I was about eight years yeah, old. Yeah, his had face was everywhere. Hulk Hogan, man. and they had the Pillow, Ultimate Warrior pillows, and the Legion of Doom. Yeah, yeah, lunch boxes, yeah, thermoses, band-aids, yeah. the whole nine you know, yards. I mean, wrestlers are on the borderline of being rock stars. Yeah. You know, I mean, they live that style of life. You Very know, much they, so. You know, they're on TV, they're, 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 Faces of plastic yeah. you know, to a lot of places, man. You know, and and it just it just it scatters the imagination sometimes. Yeah, when you think about it. yeah. You know, uh, let's see uh, some of the uh, you know like uh, like the Big Show. Yeah, you know uh, another great wrestler. Yeah, and I've I've met him. Have you? Yes, and his name fits him. You know, because his hand is. Three of mine. Yeah, you know, he's and, he's gigantic, you know, and I'm just this thin kind of average built dude. You yeah, know, and and I literally had to put my head you, up. You look up, yeah. And then you look up, and yeah. then you keep looking you up, know. and then after you've looked up, you look up some more, yeah, and there's his head man, all the way up there. You know, and uh, you know, you really don't get a get a sense of how big some of these guys are until you see them in real right. life. You know, I mean, you see them on TV, yeah, they're big, but you know, to see them in front of you, it's like wow. 
Well, you next, know. it's funny because The Rock is a is an imposing figure. I mean, he's like 6'4", <laughs> 256 pounds or whatever, and he's jacked to the nines. They're, but, like, they're... he looks small next to a lot of the wrestlers. You're like, you're like, oh, The Rock's not that big. But then when you see him compared to other actors when he's in movies, you're like, holy shit, how big are the other guys? The Rock's huge. Yeah, there's a, a a new movie that he's in. It's a wrestling themed movie. Yeah, uh, fighting know? with my family. Yeah, it's about yeah. it's about the uh, kind of the arrival of Paige. Uh, she's one of the female wrestlers. Oh, so that's what it's based. Yeah, on. it's based I, on, I, I it's based on Paige's career. I don't know if she's still wrestling, and I haven't checked out wrestling in a while. But uh, yeah, it's kind of about how she uh, makes her way to the WWE all the way from England. Uh, yeah. and gets handpicked by their talent scouts and, you know, brought to uh, yeah, the, wherever the, their developmental yeah, the way area the, is. The, the, the clip that I saw was like, it was her and her brother that was trying out. And yeah. she's the one that got picked. She's the one that got and picked. And it was his dream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, or some along yeah. the way. Yeah, so then the, the jealousy ensues. And right, and right. So but, uh, you know, uh, those are those type of movies that are based or loosely based on, on real facts, you know I mean? Are, are interesting. Well, based get, on a true story is a quote-unquote, you guys, yeah, when it's Hollywood. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you get a general idea of, of where these people come from and yeah. how they rose in the ranks, you know, and it's sort of inspiring because it just shows you, you know, if you want something bad enough, you know. It is true. You know, I mean, you're going to have to, here's the thing, you're going to have to work your ass off to get the things that you want. But if yeah. you're willing to put in the wrench time and you're willing to... uh be obsessive in your pursuit of the thing that you want. It can happen. Yes, yes. You know, I mean, of course, you know, you got the people that, that do that, that put in the time that yeah. it doesn't happen. But, hey, that's life. That's just how it goes sometimes, you know. Well, maybe they didn't want it bad enough. You know? uh, that's true. That's true. You know. Uh, but then life life can also come along and knock you off your horse, too. You know, yeah. That happens. Yeah, life has a way to, to punch you in the teeth yeah. and, and not care about it, <laughs> you know. For sure, you know, uh, but, you know, um, like some of these wrestlers that, that do movies and stuff should not be acting. They should stick to, you know, wrestling. Well, part of it is, I think, if, let's say you're a wrestler and maybe you're not one of the biggest wrestlers. Maybe you're one of the mid-card guys. But if a production company approaches you with a script and says, hey, we're willing to pay you a million dollars or two. I don't know how much these guys, the, the lesser known wrestlers make for these movies they do. But um, would you turn it down? I well, don't think well, no, I, would, no, I wouldn't. You no, know? no. But, but you know, uh, like uh, the, uh, what was it? The Kane movie. Uh, oh, see No Evil? Yeah. You know, that, <laughs> Which that, actually, for a horror that, film, yeah. it wasn't that scary, but I actually thought it was kind of a cool movie. Yeah. I, I like the storyline behind it. It's kind of an interesting take on like the serial killer, right, you know, right. slow stalking figure in a, right. in a location. And, it, and it's funny, like, as far as I know, like these these wrestlers that do movies, there's always a scene where they have some wrestling moves. Yeah, and, usually, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's uh, that's funny to me. Prime you know? example was uh, Triple H's appearance in Blade Trinity, where he plays the vampire yeah. Jarko Grimwood, yeah. and he's fighting against Ryan Reynolds in that I don't know concrete room underground yeah. or whatever. And he didn't do any of his signature wrestling moves, you know. He didn't do the pedigree or anything like that. But he did. You could see that, you know. If I remember, didn't he do like a leg drop on him or something? He like didn't so do a leg drop. He kind of did this like forward power slam oh, okay. kind yeah. of a thing, you know. Yeah. And, you, know. you know. Do what you know, I guess. Yeah, stick, stick with what brought <laughs> yeah. you to the dance. Yeah. I mean, sure. you're not going to see a guy like Triple H doing a ballet movie. He's no, going to be doing a movie no. with a fight scene. Here. Right. Right. You know. Uh, of course, you know John Cena's been in. 
lot of movies. Uh, I think I, I respect John Cena and the way he approached movies because unlike Hulk Hogan, and I could so we could do a podcast just on Hulk Hogan and you know the highs and lows of his career. Hulk Hogan, I think, always had the issue of letting what people say about him go to his head and he believed the hype. So when he would do all these movies and people promised him it was going to do this or that for his career, I think that's why you say him take all these like nonsense, shitty scripts. Whereas John Cena always said, I'm a wrestler first. If I have the opportunity to go outside wrestling to take some time off from wrestling to recuperate and do a movie, I will. But unlike the rock or Hulk Hogan, I'm not going to let movies take me away from the wrestling industry. What I want to do for with my life is be a wrestler and because of that, I'll gain a certain amount of fame and notoriety, and I'll be able to do other things like TV and movies and things like that, but I'm a wrestler first. Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of people, I know a lot of people stopped watching wrestling when The Rock left, because I think they felt personally betrayed a little bit, because The Rock went from being a wrestler that everybody loved, and then he went to Hollywood and kind of never came back. Now, yeah. he makes appearances every once right, in a while, but right. he's not really right. in the WWE like he was right. at one time. You know, I think an underrated movie that The Rock did, uh, I want to say it was with uh, Sean Astin or something like that. Sean William Scott. Uh, well, there's a movie called The Rundown. Yep. You know, uh, that movie is is one of my favorites. That's know? a it's a and, decent you know, movie. I've yeah, seen it. You know, uh, it ain't. You know, if if it's not anything spectacular, but no. it's a decent enough action movie. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, it was it was definitely a fun movie. Uh, that starred a wrestler. And, yeah. And some of these movies, I mean, the storyline might be great, but the the uh, the acting, it's like, man, come on. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, wrestlers have to have a certain amount of acting ability to do what they do, but yeah. that also doesn't mean that they're dedicated actors. They're, right. they're physical, you know, can't necessarily call them athletes per se, mm-hmm. but they're definitely, they're physical competitors for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, that that's what they do first, and then the acting and all the other stuff is secondary. You know, th- this made me think of uh, the two twins. They're they're bodybuilders. I, I, I don't I don't know their names, but you know they they started some B, you know, super ris- uh, science fiction style movie. Were they wrestlers or just bodybuilders? I, I think they they might have been wrestlers at one point, but they also make an appearance in uh, the the music video by NXS Devil Inside. I haven't you seen know, it. Uh, yeah, just a brief, you know, camera pan. You know, okay. But, but uh, for some reason, it just popped in my head, you know. And, uh, you know, those boys couldn't act, you know. Right. Uh, you could tell that somebody had to have been on the sideline. <laughs> two Coaching them yeah, 100% yeah, of the way, yeah. Yeah, you know. But uh, let's see, who else? Um, like, uh, shit. What's your, uh, what's your top five list? Well, uh, Road Warriors, Kane and Undertaker, uh-huh. and uh, I'm gonna have to say The Rock. The Rock, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny that you say uh, say The Rock. You take almost any group of his. Uh, I would put the Stone Cold, Stone Cold on my list. Stone Cold, The Undertaker, Ric Flair, uh, Shawn Michaels, and um, oh, I just said it outside. I can't remember who the fifth guy. That I, Ric Flair, that was the other one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 
you say The Rock, I stay Stone Cold. And you talk to almost any group of wrestling fans, and it'll be split right down the middle. Yeah. You got 50% in the Stone Cold camp and 50% in the Rock camp. Yeah, Stone Cold, especially when he was in a WWF, WWE. Yeah. You know, he was a, a no bullshit. I mean, no frills. And no, that's why no I liked gimmick. him, because yeah. he didn't he didn't yeah. have any like face paint. or the yeah. tie. He just had his black trunks and his black boots and... Came out there and whipped ass. Went out there, whipped ass, and drank beer. Exactly, you know, and uh, it, it was fun to watch, you know. Um, I, I know there's a bunch of guys that I'm missing. I just can't think of them right now. Oh, there's been thousands of wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. I should have made some notes. But, you know, in that era of Stone Cold and stuff, you know, like, like when uh, 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 Brock Lesnar came about, you know. Boo. Yeah. Boo. He's also in uh, UFC or MMA. He, and he, you know. he he was very successful in UFC. Yeah, I think he should have yeah. stayed there because yeah. I think and that not just because I don't like him. As and he a also was a, a professional football player too. <laughs> well, he he got cut in training. He never Goldberg actually, Goldberg Goldberg played know. for the Atlanta Falcons. But yeah. Goldberg, I think Goldberg is awesome. Yeah, he's another guy that came out and you know whipped ass, yeah. took names, and no frills, no no paint, no none yeah. of that shit. Well, Goldberg's always said, you know, he's the he says I'm the kind of guy that's always followed the philosophy of less is more, and he, yeah. I mean, it shows when he's out there. There's not a lot of extra no stuff. He doesn't do a lot no. of talking on the mic. He just goes out there and beats the shit out of people. Yeah, and you know, Kevin Nash and uh, what was his partner? <laughs> Captain uh, Chicken Legs. Yeah, uh, what was his partner's name? Uh, uh Win. Kevin he was Nash and uh, Scott Hall. Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah. when yeah. they were the Outsiders, yeah. and then they formed the NWO and WCW. Yeah, yeah. The the NWO, I I just thought it was a joke, you know, because. Hulk Hogan joined and just changed his look. You know, he had the scruffy paint on his yeah. face and black. Well, they had they had a cool idea. Eric Bischoff said that the reason that he put the NWO together originally before it took off and got a life of its own and started to take over the locker room, he wanted to have this uh, dynamic. There was Ric Flair and Sting and those guys that represented the tradition of WCW and everything that WCW had always traditionally stood for. And then he had these new guys coming in that were part of the NWO, and he wanted to have this classic uh, confrontation between the old and the new, which I thought was a really cool idea. I liked the idea of the NWO. The problem was that they very much in real life, behind the scenes, behind the cameras, when the show wasn't going on, they became almost like an organized crime syndicate where they would go around the locker room and beat the shit out of the wrestlers and give them the choice, either like, we're going to put you in the hospital or you can join the NWO. And before you know it, this thing that was supposed to be an idea that probably outlived its usefulness after two or three years and should have been defeated and then they could have moved on, it became an organism within WCW that slowly took over everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Four Horsemen? Oh, I do. Yeah. I didn't watch a lot of the Four Horsemen when they were around, but everybody knows who the Four Horsemen were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, who was it? Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, J.J. Dillon, and Barry Windham, and Ric Flair. Yes. That was the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Yeah. That was the Four Horsemen of the 80s when they were really successful and truly a force to be reckoned with. And then in the 90s, uh, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson and Ric Flair and <laughs> Steve Mondo McMichael, who everybody agrees is just the biggest joke in the wrestling industry. Yeah. C- couldn't cut a promo, couldn't wrestle a match, <laughs> but he was big and impressive looking. Oh, so right, fuck it. Let's right. let's bring him along. But, you know, uh, talking about Chris, uh, not Chris Jericho, but uh, uh, Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit. I oh, mean, man. Here that we was, go. That was a sad story, man. Yeah, and that I mean, because I, I, I mean, because he was a beast in the ring. He was, you know, and he that's came from WCW, and I mean, yeah. he was he was a force to be reckoned yeah. with. Yeah, I mean, man. dude was you know. one of the most legit technical wrestlers um, that has ever laced up a pair of boots. Yeah. Guy could legitimately wrestle. Could have been on an Olympic 
technical yeah. wrestling yeah. team and taking the gold every single time he competed. Unfortunately, he'll well, not unfortunately, I mean, he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, I agree with a lot of the people have asked John Cena, people have asked Chris Jericho, people have asked a lot of a lot of the wrestlers. And don't you think it's a crime that he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame? And I agree with them with what they said. They said what we do at the end of the day, we are life. We're art imitating life, and we put on a show. Yes. When that yes. show becomes real and brings very real tragedy with it that's when it stops being fun that's when we have to stop pretending that's when we have to get real and unfortunately chris chris not chris jericho uh chris benoit unfortunately made a choice and you know you know of course and nobody knows no even the wrestlers who are closest to him like eddie guerrero chava guerrero um, and some of the wrestlers that have known him for the longest that were closest to him, even they will throw up their hands in disbelief and say, we don't know why he did it. Right. No, only right. the only and, and person for, for those that don't know what he did. Well, he, he basically he killed his wife and he killed his son and then he committed suicide. Yeah. Um, that's such a tragic, tragic. Yeah. It's it's so heinous. Oh. Um, but it, it as good as he was and he was one of the best wrestlers, it, it never will. It never will. And it never should excuse what he did because no, he, he no, took the lives of three no. people, including himself. Yeah. And there's just there's no excuse for that. But of course, you know, it's it's not to this extreme, but it still has to do with death. The the female wrestler, China, you know, yeah, you know, she 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 uh, OD'd or, or, or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't lines, remember the details the, about the, her. The death. reason why she is not in the Hall of Fame is because she released pornography right you know and well and you know, even if she hadn't i think it would have been really hard for anybody to make an argument for her to be in the hall of fame simply because uh triple h and china in real life away from the cameras were very much a couple oh yeah. and they were together oh, yeah. and then during triple h's very famous storyline where he kidnaps stephanie stephanie mcmahon who's vince's daughter and you know marries her in the vegas chapel they when that storyline ran its course and they were finally done with it um, they actually did start legitimately dating and they yeah. legitimately fell in love and then they legitimately got married. And I think that Joni Lauer, who's China's real name, I think she got immensely jealous. And she, when that happened, started causing all kinds of problems behind the scenes in the locker room. Like she called Stephanie McMahon and left her all kinds of hateful messages. She was writing notes and posting them all over the backstage area. She couldn't handle what was happening, you know, and people get together and people break up. And of course it's always very sad when that happens, but you also have to control yourself at the end of a breakup yeah. and not turn into one of those crazy exes. And that's right. what, that's exactly what happened. She turned into a crazy ex and caused all kinds of problems for triple H and Stephanie and their new marriage. And by extension, the McMahon family. And there's a point where that those problems would have spilled out on to affect the on-screen product. And that's the point where I think that's why they ultimately let her go there yeah. were a number of problems yeah. with her. And I, I think that even if she had not overdosed or even done porn, I think that I don't think, I don't know if they would have ever put her in the, right. the hall yeah. of fame because there was just too many problems there. Right, right. You know, and talking about, you know, people conducting themselves in a professional Exactly, manner, because at the end of know. the day, a professional wrestling company is still a professional work environment. These guys go to work just like we do. They, yes. they, they're all yeah. co-workers with yeah. each other. And if you were working in any other, if you're working in an office or if you're working in a kitchen and you're dating somebody um, and then you break up and you still have to work with these people, you it's up to you. Your responsibility is to still behave in a professional manner. Now, outside of work, if you need to handle problems, you want to have an argument with the people that you work with, that's one thing. But you can't come to work and bring your problems to work like that and affect everybody else's work environment. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that's exactly what she did. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's um, a shame. You know? It is a shame. But, you know, touching back on Chris Benoit, um, there's no amount of explanation, I think, because I want I always like to be very clear, particularly on this subject, because I liked watching Chris Benoit. Oh, so did I. I thought he was a great wrestler. Yeah, yeah. But unfortunately, there are moments in life especially when you're in an entertainment company or an acting company, you know, or a stunt company, which the wrestling industry is all those things. They're actors and they're stuntmen and they're competitors and all those things. I think when you allow real life to so thoroughly damage what's going on on screen, because it, it that is just another in a long list of things that have cast a shadow over the pro wrestling industry. There's a reason why the average person who's not a pro wrestling fan, wrestling leaves a bad taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. It could be the, the steroid scandal back in the early 90s with Hulk Hogan and everything mm-hmm. that was going on there. It could be the decades-long evidence of like rampant drug use and, and different things like that. The bent-out-of-shape personalities that this guy used to be a criminal or this guy used to be a bouncer or this guy used to work for the mob or whatever. And it all all comes together and it casts a bad light on the wrestling industry. And it's unfortunate because Chris Benoit was one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But he's also, as it turned out, one of the worst human beings. Yes. of all time at yeah. least in the wrestling industry yeah. there's there's no amount of excuse that will ever cover what he did and i think all the wrestlers that have said things like that like chris jericho and john cena and um uh, at least one i think it was edge all appeared on larry king live when it happened and larry king was asking you know do you think that chris benoit will ever be in the hall of fame and there's a lot of people that are saying he deserves to be in the hall of fame and Chris Jericho and John Cena were very, very quick to jump on that and say, no, absolutely, he does not. It's our standing. It's our company's opinion. It's our opinion that as much as we all knew Chris and loved Chris and liked Chris, we can't condone this on any level. So Chris Benoit, for any Chris Benoit fans out there, Chris Benoit will never be in the WWE Hall of Fame. And he doesn't deserve to be because the Hall of Fame, it's not just about your actions in in the ring, it's in, also it's about your actions in life. The yeah. people who are in the Hall of Fame are supposed to embody the very best. Yes, not yes. just as performers, but as human beings. Yes. And there's, you know, he murders family, and there's, and he committed suicide. And there's no, there's no amount of explanation that explains that away. No, you know? no, I, I agree with you 100. You know? And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably the greatest. There's a number of tragic stories um, going all the way back to, you know, the 60s and 70s, the Von Erichs down in Mid-South Texas yes. wrestling. They yeah. were the definition of wrestling rock stars. You know, everybody back in that day knew who the Von Erichs were. And if you're a longtime wrestling fan, you know that the Von Erichs were, are like the greatest rock star story. And they, the sex, the drugs, the violence, the rock and roll, all of it. The You know, you had four guys who were insanely attractive, insanely gifted insanely talented in the ring and the world threw everything at them and i think they couldn't handle it just like a lot of rock stars can't couldn't handle the fame couldn't handle the fortune couldn't handle the sex couldn't handle the drugs and it literally destroyed them one by one and And that's another tragic story in the wrestling industry that leaves a bad taste in people's mouths because we want these guys we the people that we pick to be deserving of our hero worship we want them to operate on a higher level and when they don't when they prove themselves to be humans just like everybody else with real human problems i think it it shakes our faith in who we put our faith in. You know, we don't yeah. want to see our heroes being brought down to human level. We want to see them carved in stone up on pedestals. Exactly. But, you know, in, at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all human. We, even we, even the rich and the powerful are still human and capable of making human decisions and human mistakes. Right, right. And uh, just watch what you put your faith in. Oh, absolutely. Well, another regist- uh, wrestler who, through no fault of his own, other than being a wrestler, I suppose, um, 
that also died was obviously the very large uh, tragedy of Owen Hart. Owen Hart, yeah. Uh, was that 96? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never saw that match, the In yeah. Your House 7 or In Your House 8, whatever that pay-per-view was, where he descended down from the rafters on the cable, and the cable broke, and he, he fell on his neck on yeah, the top of the cage. Yeah. He broke his neck on the top of the cage and fell to the ground, and uh, and that that was not uh, due to drugs and, or and, anything. And that if was, I remember correctly, his brother, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Bret Hart. Bret Hart was supposed to wrestle that night. Yeah. And of course, you know, he did. He couldn't, yeah. yeah. And who could blame him? He, yeah. he took the night up. But yeah. I mean, that's that's the worst kind of tragedy is that it was it's nobody's fault. Yeah. It just, it's, it's something it, that Accidents happen yeah. and it happened to, you know, there was a malfunction with the cable that was supposed to just lower yeah. him to the ring. And unfortunately, some one of the safety releases got jammed or popped off or something. And, yeah. and he unfortunately and fell to his they, death. They do anything remotely close to that anymore. No, uh, yeah. they they. They don't, um, for obvious reasons, I think they've shied away from the really, really dangerous, like, cable work and right, wire work right. and having, like, staying back in the 90s when he was, you know. Yeah, big, he'd, he'd come down. He would come down. The, they'd black out the lights in the arena, and then Sting would come down. And, you know, I don't think that even if Sting were wrestling today, because he's not, he's retired. But I think even if he was, I don't think that. Um, well, uh uh, it's it's all right. Uh, um, sorry about that. My phone went off. But um, yeah, I don't even think that Sting, uh, if he was wrestling today, I don't think that he would come down on the cables anymore. No, because no. it's just the company is known now that it's too dangerous and it's not worth losing a performer right. just to have a stunt. You know, right. like back in '96 or '97 during one of the WrestleManias, Shawn Michaels on us on a cable harness attached to his waist and he you know this cable literally zipped him down to the all over the ring and back and forth and this and that and uh i don't think that he would do anything like that no you know. no there's a way to entertain and then there's a way to entertain right you know uh you know we, we could have 10 episodes about wrestlers and and the for sure and, and well we probably will touch on it again at some oh point. yeah for sure for sure but you know we're going to be running out of time soon so uh you know it's it's always good to talk about you know wrestling and and what it means to america and to well the and world. what it means to us on a personal yeah, level yeah. and you know i have a lot of great memories hanging out with friends watching paper oh yeah you know? yeah you know uh quickly one of the most violent matches i ever saw was uh the rock and mankind it was an the I halftime quit. super bowl show the yeah, uh the, the, the i quit match yeah, yeah. You know, i mean them boys went everywhere from the ring to the to the to, through the crowd, the parking lot, the yeah. dressing rooms, bathrooms, everywhere. And then the match ended finally. Uh, the Rock got Mankind handcuffed to the yep. to the turnbuckle in the ring, and he just hit him in the face with a chair like 10, 15 times until yeah. Mankind said, "I quit." He kept putting the microphone in front. Yeah, of him. say it, say it. I yeah, quit. I quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Okay, well. Uh, Let's, that's uh, that's about it. Yeah, for this one here. Yeah, uh, this another one in the bag. You know, uh, follow your dreams, people. Yeah, and uh, don't let Hulkamania run wild on you. No, it never ends well. <laughs> it doesn't end well for anybody. Okay. Uh, good night till the next episode. Peace. Peace.